Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are ready to go back to Wakanda immediately. I can't believe you just did that. You're so good at this. <laughs> the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate. passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that that was looking at it that was looking at it and trying to read it Megan uh uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's Sunday it's a long weekend it's a good day it's a great day it is a great day we have a whole day booked we do it's gonna be awesome (laughs) when we said that I was thinking about how Craig Ferguson used to be like it's a great day for America and that's what I want it's a great day for Kelsey and Megan it is a good day for Kelsey and Megan yeah it's gonna be wonderful because we're gonna spend about an hour and a half talking about how great Black Panther was oh buckle up and then we're also gonna then watch King Arthur and uh live do some live commentary yeah on that masterpiece of a Guy Ritchie movie oh I'm so excited because I've only seen it the one time with you in the theater and that was like what a year ago that was like in May yeah so yeah it's been a while it's been a while I'm trying to remember all I can remember is Jude Law right now all I can remember is shirtless Charlie Hunnam so (laughs) we're in a good spot and the groan that woman made in the (laughs) theater when he was shirtless Uh, I mean rightly so of course very much but it's just like Keep your shit together, lady. <laughs> her her reaction, though, I will say, was, like, kind of my reaction to Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther. So, like, I get Oh, yes. A hundred percent get it. Okay, Megan, let's dive right in. Should we, or do we have anything else we want to talk about first? No, fuck everything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That, sure. I'm just so excited about um, it. Yeah. This is the most excited I've been in forever. It's true. Um, so Black Panther was real good. Oh, it's incredible. Um, let's start as like with the, the superhero movie bit first. Sure. So as a superhero movie, like as an origin story, ultimately, because that's what it was. It was phenomenal. Because you got, you learned the history of the Black Panther mm-hmm. without it having to be like let's do a flashback after we've already met the character and whatever. You just, you learned about the character. Yeah. Um, through the most incredible opening sequence. Oh, it was stunning. I think my, my favorite opening sequence is still maybe Watchmen. Yeah, for sure. Because that's fucking brilliant. But this is like right up there. It was so cool. And we, I usually don't like 3D because... The 3D glasses have to go over top of my other glasses, and then I can see two frames of glasses in front of me the whole time, and they never quite work. Um, But that was the first time where I was like, wow, this is what 3D can do. Because immediately, you were, like, immersed into what Wakanda is. Oh, man, it was so effective and really set a tone for the creativity that was going to follow. And it was, like, noticeably, stylistically different from other stuff in that universe, which is great. Like, it had its own stamp, which I thought was was good because it needed it, but also because then it's not just the same movie over and over again. Oh, for sure. Because that's what I was getting a little bit frustrated with in terms of, like, the Cap movies, because I really like them. What? But they don't they don't take a lot of risks. No. 
Whereas this movie, like, I'm thinking of when Michael B. Jordan, like, walks to the throne. The camera does a full 180 spin that is so gorgeously done, but also so symbolic. Yep. Man. Yeah, it was Coogler's good. amazing. It was good. It was, um, so yeah, that opening sequence, like, yeah, you're in it. And so, like, if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, and you're still listening, I don't know what your problem is, but anyway. Oh, go, 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 go. Um, Jess told me last night she was going to see it today because she wanted to listen to this. Perfect. <laughs> she want to get spoiled. That's how you fucking be a fan of a podcast, <laughs> you jerks. Um, and, uh, so the opening, yeah, you're, like, immersed in this, like, ultimately these sand sculptures that tell you the story of of Wakanda and sort of how it came to be and how they discovered the vibranium and you know the sort of the myth of the Black Panther and who can hold that title and all this kind of stuff and then and then you're in the movie and you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time. I don't particularly like opening narration in movies, mm-hmm. but this one it didn't bother me. Yeah, and what it allows you to do is really jump in and learn the dynamics of all the characters without having to rely overly on exposition the whole time. Mhm. Which is really crucial, because these are all new characters to us. Like, even Chadwick, we only met him mm-hmm. one time yeah, in the last in, movie. Yeah, in Cap 3, right? And all that we really knew about him is obviously that he wanted vengeance for his father's death. Yes. That's as much of him... And the only other character out of that universe that we had met was... Everett Ross. Yeah. Oh, and Andy Serkis, so we'd met two. Right. right. So, yeah. But still, those two characters are quite tropey. Yeah. They don't really have a lot of depth to them, yeah. and, and Claw definitely doesn't have any depth no, whatsoever. he's just a villain. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's the only character ever from that whole universe that you knew anything about. So you immediately dive into the dynamics, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And then just getting, I guess, getting that glimpse into that world and sort of knowing what the rest of the world thinks of Wakanda, and then knowing that what is, mm-hmm. you know what's there is more than kind of what it is. And it was funny at work, we were talking about, um, about the movie. Cause I got to see it on, we went on Thursday and so on Friday I was talking about it and we were joking about vibranium and I was like, what, whatever, at least it's like a, a, a name that sounds like it could be an element. unlike like unobtainium yeah, in like Avatar or whatever. Um, but it was interesting. What I liked about it is that what you have is this, this nation that, of course, and I want to talk about, like, the notion that it doesn't exist afterwards, because I always find that really a fascinating thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you have this nation that has this, like, this stockpile, ultimately, of this very valuable material. Mm-hmm. And, you know, white people are just using it to make weapons and bad things. And, and the Wakandans are using flourish. it to, like, power their society and mm-hmm. and create essentially a utopia oh it 100 percent is 100 percent a utopia i loved when you first fly in and chad or chala's like this never gets old or whatever coming in over the yeah what would you call it camouflage yeah well it's not quite <sighs> it's like camouflage. a shield it actually reminded me of in atlas shrugged there's a, a scene where um yes i've read it whatever i don't care about your opinions about it um where John Galt and oh fuck what's her name Dabney is that her name anyway where she like fly Dabney it's a oh boy anyway it's a there's a lot of things um <laughs> where they fly into this valley where like John Galt and all the other enlightened 
like citizens of America still live. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's essentially, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's supposed to be like a camouflage, but it sort of sounds almost like, like a shimmering curtain kind of thing. That's okay. like kind of almost like metaphysical. It's very weird, but that's what it reminded me of mm-hmm. where like you see what you see and then you fly in and you see like the rest. what's yeah. actually there. And I loved how different Wakanda looked from anything else on Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't look like a reproduction of any other no. fiction. No. It had this wonderful freshness to it. Yeah, it was, um, it was really good. It was really fucking good. I really, really loved it. Oh, I loved it, too. Music was excellent. I really liked that there were, like, four white people who had speaking parts. Yeah. And one was, like, a TV anchor. TV news anchor. Oh, yeah, right. Like, she was just, like, a throwaway. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that part, I thought, I mean, there's things about that that I think are very powerful. Um, because it became, it was very, it was very, like, tonally different. And that, that just, like, kind of reinforced that difference in tone. Well, I loved when we first meet Michael B. Jordan the first time, who's so great in this. Oh, my God. God, is he ever good. He's phenomenal. And he's in the museum. And he's talking to the museum expert, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, you're wrong. This is what this actually is. Yeah. And I know because it's a part of my history. Yeah. That was wonderful. It was really good. And it, like, you know, he made this, this like, uppity white woman look dumb, mm-hmm. which I thought was very powerful in and of itself. Um, but you meet him, and it's funny because it's framed in such a way that a lot of, like, first times that you meet black characters are done where like they're immediately suspicious Mm -hmm. because of how he's dressed and you know and so it was done in that way and he subverts that expectation and like yeah which was really cool also subverts and also fulfills in a way because he is a criminal yes oh absolutely (laughs) but he's not a thug no in the way that that's portrayed a lot when you see it on film like a lot of times you see that but really he's yeah he's a criminal but like he knows his shit mm-hmm. and he's reclaiming his he's reclaiming his past mm-hmm. and his his heritage which i think is an interesting maybe we'll kind of get to that later about that idea mm-hmm. of pulling into that but yeah so yeah you meet him and then you've got all these other characters that are set up to be um heroes and you can tell that they are because they still have there's still conventions in film that sort of allow you to think those things mm-hmm. and you know that he's going to be the villain because of course he is because he's like the other big name actor like you know that he's going to be the villain yeah uh, and that's fine there's nothing wrong with knowing that um sometimes i wish that the reveal was a little bit more um subtle sometimes in, in certain respects mm. maybe not in this case but every once in a while like when it comes to these i kind of wish that the the reveal was a little bit more so like have it maybe reframe for him like doing all these desperate actions to get back to wakanda yeah and then have the reveal and then the tur- or something like that yeah tur- mm. yeah because I, w- I just sometimes feel and it's not it's not just this movie specifically but i feel like when you have a superhero kind of trope or like a very obvious hero villain trope that sometimes the villain is like wildly obviously the villain like mm. matt damon in interstellar as soon as you see as soon him, as you like, realize fuck. that it's matt damon you're like oh he's gonna be the bad guy because he's another big name actor whereas if yeah. it had been someone a little bit more unknown that maybe would have been a little more surprising mm-hmm. and like that kind of thing and so i just i felt that was maybe my the thing with that sort of conceit of the reveal i was like maybe they could have done something a little different 
And just not have it so obvious right from the start. Well, not ha- and not have the villain literally stealing an artifact from the museum. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of... What I found really interesting about that, though, that choice, is that they set him up right from the start to challenge the Black Panther. Like, mm-hmm. he gets away with Claw. Mm-hmm. Like, he bests him right from the start. Mm-hmm. Which makes him seem more legitimate than sometimes other superhero villains are. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously we have to see um, Chaka overcome all of those defeats, mm-hmm. and there are many of them. Many. Which <laughs> like, is another like thing. Like, more defeats in this film yeah. than I would have expected. Yeah. Because, like, the process by which, you know, you become king, mm-hmm. it's not just a... It's not automatic because the, and then the origin it sets up how there's these five different tribes in Wakanda and there's the tribe that lives in the mountains who are kind of like do their own thing. I love that tribe. Oh, they're great. Oh, they were um, so great. But you knew that when you saw him to start off that he would be back. Like you knew that there was no possible way to that set was up that be, conflict yeah, and then the not follow it through. So yeah. then they what they end up with is like the the leader of any of the the other tribes can challenge for the throne. Mm-hmm. And so they go through, and at the, this the ceremony, and, and T'Challa, he's nobody's challenging, nobody's challenging. And then all of a sudden, you hear these like dog barks, but it's actually these like mountain men coming down, and and the challenge happens, and T'Challa ends up winning, um, barely, barely, but he wins by submission, like a submission leg hold, and uh, then you have this, you know, he's he's named. King, mm-hmm. and he can ultimately become the Black Panther, um, and remain the Black Panther and have that power. And then at the end, later on, you see them again, sort of coming in to help. And like, there's that interesting dynamic as well. But then, as he becomes Black Panther, his sister Shuri, who's like the best, unbelievable, the best. She's like sixteen, yeah, which I love that she's like a child. And, and she's, she's, like, the intellectual base for the whole fucking country. Yeah, she's, like, their R&D expert. She's amazing. And she's funny as mm-hmm. all shit. But, like, you know, she she has created for him um, a new Black Panther suit. Mm-hmm. And he gets to choose sort of the options. And and it's, like, it's incredible, the stuff that, that, she's, that she allows him to do. And, mm-hmm. like, I think that, that that was really interesting that, like, he's successful as Black Panther. Because of his sister. Mm-hmm. And because film. of the women around him. Oh, yeah. It like, was... everyone around him is strong women that support him. Yes. But who also are strong ways. women in their own right. Yes. Um, like, oh, fuck, it's so good. Like, his little sister, she's smarter than he is for sure. Oh, 100%. And, you know, she's and she's given her, being, being allowed to use her intellect to, like, to flourish. To succeed, yeah. Um, and she's been set up to succeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, General Okoye is also smarter than he is. And she's... And I loved it right away. And as soon as I saw all of the warriors, I was like, they look very much like Maasai warriors. They absolutely And then I, I read some stuff and that was definitely the what they intent, were. That yeah. was the intent. But I, that was my, my first thought. I was like, oh, they're they're designed to be Maasai warriors. The colors sure. and the, the spears. And, and the fact they're bald. The, yeah, and, the baldness, yeah. yeah. And it was just, it was just stunning. Just stunning. It was wonderful. I really loved the design of, 
of each of the different aspects of the uh, tribes that make up Wakanda and how you could really sense that history and modernism coming together. Mm -hmm. Like how some of them are bare feet and some of them are not and some of them are in traditional clothes. Mm -hmm. And there was the guy who had the plates in his ears and his tongue, but then he was always in a crisp suit. Yes. Like it was just a wonderful blending of those two natural progressions. Yeah, yeah. And how that can lead to a successful well, and it was a good look. I country. read. I saw a thread on Twitter, and I can't remember who, where I saw it. I don't think I retweeted it, but it was talking about all of the different nods to different African cultures mm-hmm. in the film, and, and that's like the Maasai warriors for the generals, and like different um, the mask that um, Michael the Jordan yeah. that, that he wears, like, and is as a nod to I think a, a tribe from Ghana. And so it's not just like one place because Wakanda's not real, mm-hmm. right? And and that's that's maybe the important thing is like Wakanda is a fictional country. It doesn't exist. No. Nope. So, like, you can't go there. But what they... So what they did, because I think it doesn't exist, is one of the reasons that they could take from all of these different places and sort of put it into something. And try because, to represent, like, the best of... Yes. A potential... But in a lot of cases, they were looking at, like, sub-Saharan Africa mm-hmm. as well. If, if you look at, at costume and... And design and whatnot. They were looking at. It's very interior. Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, the mountains are part of that, and then mm-hmm. the rainforest. And so, like, you kind of get the sense that it's like it's in Central Africa somewhere. If the rainforest is a thing. Yeah. It has to be in Central Africa, but it's not real, and so that allowed some freedom in blending these different cultures from different places mm-hmm. into one without it being like a form of appropriation because it's not because mm-hmm. Wakanda is not an actual place, and I think that that's a really important distinction to make mm-hmm. and, I f- and it wasn't appropriation because it wasn't someone no using culture as costume or or and, and they're not per- and they weren't personifying like particular cultures as traits like, warriors or, yeah, and yeah. It was, and, or like savages or anything like no. that it was just these are the peoples who live in this territory and could make up this culture yes yeah. and it was, oh, it was just fascinating it was so 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 good um I thought I was there was I don't know what I expected but that wasn't really it like, it wasn't it for me either I had no idea what to expect and I wasn't reading reviews I wasn't looking for anything because I did want to feel surprised mm-hmm. I did want to go into it fresh and I'm so glad that I did because I think it exceeded any expectations that I had which from the trailers were pretty fucking high oh I know I don't remember what we went to see but we saw like a Black Panther trailer yeah. And we were both like, oh my god! And then... Oh, I think it was at... Was it? No, it couldn't have been at Dunkirk. No, I don't, know, I don't remember what it was. But I know we saw a Black Panther trailer, and we were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then this happened, and I was just like, holy shit, what? Mm-hmm. Like, it was crazy. It was so good. And it was not a typical superhero movie, which is what I love. They didn't have... It didn't have, for the most part, anyway, it didn't have lots of explosions and car chases. Like, there was the one. And then there was, like, an explosion. Well, even, like, hearing you say it was a superhero movie, I was like, oh, right, Black Panther's a superhero? Yeah. Like, I really didn't connect with that very much. It definitely felt like a science fiction mm-hmm. film, but to me it was not, you know, a caped crusader superhero film at all. But it totally is one. I know. And it, so it, it takes that trope and it, like, does something with that trope and so you're not as... It removes a lot of the tropes, I mm-hmm. think, which is so funny because that character is not based in reality, and yet he feels the most real. 
oh, like, out sure. of a lot of those characters in for that sure. whole universe. I think if if we were to like, maybe we'll do this at the end. Put our like rankings. Yeah, realist characters or something. Yeah, at the end of this discussion, because I just had a thought, but I'll I'll hang on to that for a while. Mm. Um, no, it but it is, and, and that's sort of the thing. It reminded me when I walked out of it. I could have gone back in and watched it right away. Oh, 100%. Um, but when I walked out of it, I felt a lot like I felt after I watched Inception. Mm. I love Inception. I think it's fucking brilliant. But the thing that I think is the most interesting about Inception is that there is ultimately, like, um, there, there's ultimately, like, a suspension of disbelief that, like, okay, yeah, sure, people can just hack into your dreams. Cool. But it doesn't, no one addresses it. It's not like, a, this seems like a weird thing, because it's just a thing that you can do. And I felt very much the, that way about this movie, in that everyone just knows that Wakanda's a place and yeah, it takes they, you in it takes quickly. you in right away and that mm-hmm. vibranium is a real thing and you're like oh yeah fuck get that fucking vibranium like they're, it, you just feel right away like you're invested in whatever it is that they're invested in yeah and I think that that's a really important thing to make it not feel like a typical superhero movie because you have to get into that world immediately otherwise you're like oh this is dumb okay for you at any point because I do have an answer to this at what point did you think or was there a point where you're like, oh, I w- wish they wouldn't have made that choice? Oh, well, I don't know. If you have an answer, tell me your answer and I'll think about it. Mine was the fighting rhinos. Yeah. Because that, for me, when went, was when it went, oh, this is, this is superhero. This is video game. Yeah. That's the point that it went that for me. Yeah, it, well... Yeah, it felt a little bit... That felt a little bit odd. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an odd choice. Because they're so technologically advanced. Yeah. Why would they need that? Yes. Yes. That was my question. That's a good point. That's actually a really good point. Um, and it felt like they were told to go bigger or... Like, it felt like that was a note. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really good. I think for me, it was the, in the casino would be my the point. Because it seemed exactly like... Um, it seemed exactly like... Skyfall? Yeah, whatever fucking happens, and then, like, chaos reigns. And I was like, why? Yeah. That was not necessary. Even in the color scheme and... Yeah. And but but, but just, like, but all of a sudden you're in this, in this, they're in this situation where, like, yeah, it's just chaos, mm-hmm. and it didn't have to be chaos. And they could have probably still achieved their objective without it being chaos. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, of course. Um, and then, like, yeah, I, for, yeah, but the rhinos, yeah, now that I think about it, the rhinos were. The rhinos did bug me. Um, but what I'm really curious about is, because they have cultivated this perspective from the outside world, Mm -hmm. that they're one of the poorest countries in the world, and they're not technologically advanced, you know, their GDP output is zero they're agri- ag- ag- agrarian they're they're backwards essentially uh, from what the world sees from what the world sees and they don't like to be involved in international affairs yes so what are the spy missions that they're running what is nakia out there do obviously she freed those women who yeah. were i'm assuming kidnapped by some sort of rebel forces and yeah. she was trying to assist them but what are they doing outside in the world? What are their spies up to? Yeah, I'm not sure. 
That's what I would love to... That's why, like we were talking about, each of those characters could have their own movie. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much built around them where you really want more. And, like, thinking about... Spoilers, Eric's father. What was he doing Mm -hmm. in the U.S.? That immediately turned him into, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of this... Not necessarily... um, Law-abiding citizen yeah like it was what can you do to to fuck over the man Mm -hmm. i wonder if part of it is having come from and this this is the the, this was like nikia's big concern is that you know within wakanda all these people have everything they need but Mm -hmm. the outside world doesn't know anything about it and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that if that's the image they want to portray but they have this resource available to them that would allow them to help so many people and her big problem is that they don't yeah, that's and and I think that's a fair criticism because it does seem like this weird little tiny African nation is very isolationist, mm-hmm. and it is a little bit suspicious that they don't accept foreign aid, mm-hmm. right? Because of the way that it's portrayed in the world, so it is a little bit suspicious that they don't accept it. Um, and so, you know, for her, I think, and and for her not wanting to stay mm-hmm. because she's like, I have work to do. There's more that needs to happen, sort of out of these borders. I wonder if perhaps. Like, Eric's father, if that was sort of the thing that he got out into the real world and recognized that, like... That inequality. That inequality The fundamental exists, inequality, yeah. And, and that, you know, here's how we, here's how we take back mm-hmm. that. And tried to build, like, kind of like Eric tried to do, right? What his plan was, was to build that equality through violence. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, that kind of bothered me, that that was his plan. But that was him, like, radicalized. Yeah. But and without still. resources. But but I think that, you know, once he has the the option to gain the resources, he's just like, no, this is what we're going to do. He's going to mm-hmm. release weapons. And it, it just felt to me very, like, yeah, okay, but. But I think that's, that's the perspective they're trying to show, is how could someone have this perspective? Well, his whole life he's been beaten down by those institutional systems. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that would be his perspective, is they've been violent towards me. Well, now that I've got the power, mm-hmm. I'm going to fucking show them. And it takes, you know, Chala a long time to realize why he would see that, because their lives have been very different. Oh, and he feels a yeah. lot of guilt and anger at his father for allowing this situation to happen. Yeah, yeah. without doing anything about it. Yeah, um, and purposefully abandoning a son of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge sense of that, betrayal. F- to me, it felt like a plot hole, almost. I was like, oh, shit. Why the dad left him? Well, yeah, like, why, why they left him behind? Mm-hmm. Why they left the kid behind? Like, at the very... I mean, maybe I understand not taking him back to Wakanda. I get that. But, like, they just left him. Well, I think... Because his father was dead, and then his, like, you know, uncle, whatever, was gone. And he comes back up to the apartment, and there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And, like, to me, like, that, to me, was just sort of, like... Well, I think for Chaka, that was his anger at being betrayed. Betrayed by his own brother. Mm Mm-hmm. By not abiding by what their philosophy as a country was. Mm-hmm. But he also sent his brother away. But like, I think the brother wanted to go. Maybe. But even but even still, like he's he's not he's not there anymore. 
But maybe, he obviously didn't trust his brother because no. he sent yeah. Jury as a spy. But then, but but maybe, and perhaps his brother was just like, you know what? This isn't right, and this mm-hmm. isn't fair. And yeah, I'm going to betray this because people need to know that that you know this like this parody exists, and you know that, mm-hmm. that there's a, a possibility that things can be better. Yeah, and I ultimately. I don't think Chaka wanted to know or hear that. But I fucking love that it was like 1992. Race riots and, and like right in the Rodney King, like yeah. that. And I was just like, "Oh, this is so good." And it, I almost kind of wish there had been a little bit, maybe there a little bit more about that in that, because I think that if you don't know, that's when it was. It wouldn't make sense to it, you. It just looks like he's trying to rob a bank or something. Yeah. Like that. Whereas I think if you if you kind of are are in that that mind space, you're like, oh right. Yeah. And and all they would have had to do maybe was have like a little news something or another in the background, or on a radio. About, you know, yeah, something something riots in Los Angeles, like just a little tiny, like a little throwaway line, just to like contextualize that, because then I think that makes makes it make more sense. Because it just looks like he's planning a heist. Yeah. And then Chaka shows up and is like, "What you doing, pal? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, bro? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, so if there'd been a little bit more context for that <clears throat> for that, then then perhaps his motivation isn't quite so suspect and, and maybe Chaka still doesn't understand it because he's not there yeah but at least and for an audience then it's like oh that makes a little bit more sense as to why he's become the way that he's become mm-hmm. and for Chaka to just go in there well I understand his point of views because Wakandans died because he was betrayed and mm-hmm. betrayed by his own brother but Chaka is coming from a huge place of privilege oh yeah to do that and to not even yeah I forget how how does he die the brother oh with claw marks he gets he comes out his brother and he just gets the cause he but what was the brother he was trying to shoot yeah him or Jury I mean he was trying to shoot Jury Jury yeah okay and then he gets yeah he gets clawed in the right in the, in the, in the stomach and then you know, and so then when then when Eric comes up and finds his father's body and sees this like these claw marks, and obviously we don't know at the time um, that this is happening, that mm-hmm. that his kid knows that he's Wakandan, mm-hmm. but he's got the tattoo and you know whatever. Um, so he it's, so he knows right away, and then but because he's left as an orphan, and this is maybe maybe this is one of the reasons why um, Chaka never considered it, but like because Eric's left as an orphan and he also probably grows up in the system, mm-hmm. um, he's got a lot of hate in his heart for a lot of things, and I don't think that's restricted just to the Black Panther and just to no. Wakanda. That's what I'm saying. That's, like that institutional oppression yeah. is driving him. Yeah. And so, if at the very least, if they had like not left him alone, mm. then you prevent that entire. Like, why bring Jury back? Yeah, just you leave know, him. like that seemed. That seemed bizarre. Yeah. But it, I think that goes to show Chaka's failings yeah. as king. Yeah. And, and of I think course, was... Chala's hatred of that because uh-huh. he feels like his dad was perfect. Uh-huh. And he can't believe Can't believe that his perfect father so would do something yeah. so unperfect, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and what Chala thinks is so morally wrong. Uh-huh. Like, he has... An immense amount of righteous indignation. Yes. For his father immediately. Yes. Like day two of being king. Yeah. He's like, how dare you? Yeah. 
Which is maybe not a bad thing. No. You know, it kind of pulls the veil back on some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll probably, in the long run, inform how he does his job. Yeah. Because he's not... He, he now knows that the standard that he has to live up to, now he knows he needs to be better than his father, and he can be better than his father. Yeah. Because his father wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that kind of speaks to the end of the film, that, like, final scene with the sunset, where that's, like, the first step towards yeah that redemption which was just ah it was beautiful oh my god can we talk about the heart-shaped herb yes we sure can and then can we talk about the fire yes we can okay i'm trying to lead us there okay (laughs) so the black panther is this is my question okay had chala taken the heart-shaped pink herb yeah. Before his ceremony where he has to fight M'Baku. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he had. He had. Yeah. When? I don't know. That's the assumption. Okay, so that's because when he because when he drinks the whatever, it's it you see it in his face it and strips it, it strips yeah, him. It strips yeah. the power. So he had clearly taken, and I think to be the Black Panther, I think. You have to. Well, that it, it heightens your abilities. It doesn't right. make you a superhero, but it heightens your abilities. Yes. Like, it doesn't make you immortal or anything. No. So this is my question, and this is why I'm thinking, like, I'm not even thinking about this as a superhero movie, because I don't really think he's a superhero. I think he's an exceptional person. Oh, how so? Because he doesn't necessarily have unrealistic abilities but it's very clear that he does once he takes that's the that's the whole point is like that's like his spider bite and that's his but what there's not much that he does that he can't normally do he jumps a little bit higher he pulls a car up onto its two wheels and uses his the claws on his suit to like rip the wheel off yeah that's that's superhuman strength that's beyond but is that that's that's be- that the suit? I think the suit contributes to it, but I think that he has the ability to do that because of the herb. Because I think that's the whole point. But he's able to win both fights mm-hmm. without the herb. Yeah, barely. But he does. But he wins both of them barely. He he. Do- it's not a walk, right? And I think that's the point: is that he doesn't. He he has to show that he still has this ability to defeat. An adversary, hmm. but it's not necessarily that he has to be. Um, it's not necessary that he has to be like incapacitated. So he still has ability. He mm-hmm. still has strength. At some point in time, I think if you think about it, like in terms of Iron Man, like think if you think about Iron Man for okay. for a second, um, Tony Stark with his suit and he's got the thing and whatever. Um, but then he has the surgery, does he not? To like. Mm-hmm. Right, so then he's fixed. He's got all the shit out of his heart, so he doesn't have his like core. It's not powered. So now the suit is just not an actual extension of Tony. But you'll see in Iron Man three when he like builds his own suit out mm-hmm. of whatever the physical toll that being in the suit takes on him because he doesn't have any extra ability. Right, the suit is what gives Tony Stark his his ability and I think all that the herb does in this is just sort of heighten some of that because they address that that it just like it doesn't it doesn't give you superpowers ultimately but it, no. it makes you a little bit stronger a little bit faster a little bit more 
a little bit more capable. Yes, but it doesn't it doesn't make you it doesn't give you like superhuman strength or anything like that. Just like the Iron Man suit doesn't give Tony Stark superhuman strength. It gives Iron Man, mm-hmm. right? And so the person inside of that, I think, still has what they have. So, but I think like his like his jumping ability, for example, I I think has less to do with the suit. And the reason I say that is because the suit that he had in the first one, in like Cap Three, didn't have like the kinetic yeah. whatever that Shuri had put into this one. And so I think and he still of, does and he still does those things. things. And then he's got the claws that come out and whatever. And I think that's the difference. So there's a disconnection between Chala and Black Panther, mm-hmm. and there's a separation between those two. I think that there's quite a... I think there's a lot of similarity between T'Challa and Black Panther and Bruce Wayne and Batman. Right. And that it, ultimately that it, that the real, the true identity of the character is the masked one and not... I think that's that's oh. that's how I feel how it's going to play out. That's very interesting. Because you can't have... If you're the king of a fucking country that now everybody knows you have all this, like, whatever, you can't also be a masked... Like, people can't know that you're the Black mm-hmm. Panther. Right? Like, that's kind of the thing. It's a classic I am Iron Man situation. Yeah, and so, I th- yeah, whereas you can't do that in that in mm-hmm. that case. Um, and I think, so to me, that notion of, like, the suit giving him strength, is it doesn't so much, it's not even so much that it gives him strength, it's that it allows him to do, to do the things. Just like huh. the Batsuit allows Batman to do the things that right. he does, because... People know who he is. Mm-hmm. People know who King T'Challa is, even if they didn't really know before, because of the way his father died. Because, you know, that was all very public, and so even if they didn't know who he was before, they know now. And he can't go out in the world and like be the Black Panther and also be King T'Challa. He has to. They have to be separate. But I feel just the way they kind of are doing this that eventually, it's one. He that that the Black Panther is going to be his identity, mm-hmm. and T'Challa is going to be the mask. Right. That's how I feel it's going to go. I could be wrong, but that's my... That's very interesting. That's my thought. So my other question is, if T'Challa is not the king, who is next in line? I don't know. Doesn't he have to name a successor? I have no idea. I thought that was I thought that was how it goes. You had to actually name your successor. I don't... Was that in the movie? I don't remember that at all. Um, it might have been in the... It might have been... Possibly in Cap 3. Let's find out. I don't actually know. That's a good question. Because I'm... If he and Nakia get married... Yeah. Could she become the Black Panther? Or would it pass down to Shuri? This is what I'm curious about. I don't know. That's actually a very good question. Um, um, Because for all the versions of the Black Panther that we saw. I'm thinking like the opening credits and stuff. Yeah. It was always a very masculine Yeah. Image. Well here's a Reddit. You got a Reddit thing? Yeah. What's the answer? Okay, here's the question. There's no comments yet, but these are good questions. So maybe okay. we can delve into this. This is like just from this morning. So in Black Panther, we see the ceremony which grants T'Challa his powers and officially makes him king of Wakanda. He ingests a heart-shaped herb is buried alive and communes with the spirit of his ancestors. Oh, that was gorgeous. Both times. Both times. Stunning. And I loved how when Eric then did it. It was different. But he communed with his ancestors as well, and I thought that was just like... But it was so different. A plus. Oh, beautiful. Based on his reaction, 
Huh. It seems like this is the first time this has happened to him. But in Civil War, he's already acting as the Black Panther. Not, he not only has a suit, but he's able to go toe-to-toe with Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes, leaps off buildings, and can chase down vehicles moving at highway speeds on foot. He's clearly an enhanced human, which means he must have ingested the Wakandan herb. So how exactly does succession work? Can the king abdicate the role of Panther without giving up the throne? Did T'Challa have to fight T'Chaka to claim the mantle? Did he ingest the herb, the herb but pass on being buried alive the first time? Or did they give him a modified version that granted the powers of the Panther but didn't bring him to the afterlife? Moreover, what happens if a king gives up the title of Panther but stays on the throne? Could Killmonger have challenged T'Chaka for the throne? Or would T'Challa have fought in his place? Those are all great questions. These are all great questions. I'm curious if... Once the king acting as Black Panther cannot act as Black Panther, because obviously his dad can't go fucking fight crime anymore. Also, is that what the Black Panther's designed to do? Isn't it just to protect the people? I think so. So I wonder if, before that moment... Yeah. T'Challa had even done anything. I don't know. Before his dad's assassination. Maybe not. Because it seems like when he put on the ring for the first mm-hmm. time, like when he said, obviously he's in grief, but it seems like he knows what to do, but it doesn't seem like he's had experience with it in Cap 3. Well, and yeah, that's actually a really good question. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just looking up here in like some history of Black Panther. Me too, I'm on the wiki page. Get ready for this amazing sentence. The Panther eventually leaves his active Avengers membership to return to Wakanda on the brink of civil war, bringing somebody with him. I don't know who. After defeating the usurper Eric Killmonger and his minions, the Panther ventures to the American South to battle the KKK. Oh! Yes! Next movie! (laughs) That would be amazing. That's really funny. Um... Okay, so what do we know here? Okay, listen to this. Killmonger then defeats him in ritual combat, thus inheriting the role of Black Panther, but falls into a coma upon eating the heart-shaped herb, poisonous to anyone outside the royal bloodline, which had a hereditary immunity to its toxic effects. Interesting. So, in the comics, you have to be in... The bloodline to truly be right. the Black Panther. That's very interesting. That is really interesting. So in the modern comic book stuff, um, when um, T'Challa, in one of his first acts as king, he excommunicated his adopted brother Hunter, who as the White Wolf, which is where they're... So like, that's kind of a fascinating thing with that little like that little bit at the end with uh, Bucky being called the White Wolf. So that's kind of a curious, like, oh, they're bringing him right. back in, too. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, it, but I don't know. It doesn't say, because what happened here in the comics, um, from what I can tell, is that T'Challa's, T'Chaka died when T'Challa was a child. Mm. And his uncle um, reigned as regent until T'Challa was 13. Hmm. So that's different. So that, so I'm not sure how that works, but maybe I don't know. That's a very good question. It's very like we were talking about this afterwards. It's very Shakespearean. 
Oh my god, yeah. This was just like, just fucking Hamlet. All over It was again. like the Lion King. It was And when, then that scene with the tree, like when he sees the panthers in the tree and his father comes down, I was just like... Mufasa? Like that, I know. And, and to me, that it was, was almost, it was, it was beautiful, but it almost took me out of it a little bit. Really? I, in, a, in a way, because I saw Mufasa, like, in the car, like, it was that same kind of See, and I saw that, and I was thinking of that fucking cat from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. Just with its stupid yeah. fucking smile floating in the tree. I thought that whole scene in the afterlife was, go- well, both, three times. Yeah. Each time, so emotional. Yeah. And I love that concept of the red dirt mm-hmm. going on to him and suffocating him and pushing him into the afterlife mm-hmm. to commune with those that are dead as an equal. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Every ritual and ceremony they had in the movie was just gorgeous. It was beautiful. And it was, do you know what I liked about this too? For like super, It was very bright. Very bright. Bright and colorful and... Felt very true real world even though it was very as i said kind of sci-fi yeah everything seemed based in a in a in an idea of truth which i really loved god it was so good megan Mm -hmm. okay now talk about your favorite scene um so with the heart-shaped herb that the black panther has to ingest in order to like hold those powers or whatever um it's grown in his own garden. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point when they have to flee, um, Nakia takes one of the herbs. One of the- Nakia is so fucking smart. Oh, yeah. All like, the women are way smarter than the men in this movie. Oh, 100%. 100%. And so, um, so she takes one of the herbs because she knows that she's going to have to, someone's going to need it. Mm-hmm. In order to and so because what they what they're going to do is they're going to take this herb to um, the mountain trap and they're going to get Mbaku to take they're it. They're going to get Mbaku so to take it and then fight Eric. Yeah. Eric without Eric knowing that he's been enhanced ultimately. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, uh, no, <laughs> and he doesn't because uh, T'Challa is still alive, mm-hmm. um, even though he's been like thrown over a waterfall. And I mean, and that was the one thing. Maybe that was the thing that bothered me. And I said this at the end of we the movie. We talked about that, yeah. Is that like knowing that he shows up in Infinity War? It took those stakes. And the only away. reason I know is because I saw it in the fucking trailer when he's like, Before "Give that man movie. a shield," yeah. <laughs> which was like, "Holy shit, that was great." Yeah. But I mean, I knew already that he was going to be back, so like the stakes weren't as high as if I hadn't have known. Mm-hmm. And so if they would have held off on that bit of on that trailer release until afterwards, even though you kind of would have made the assumption that like T'Challa is going to be in Everything. Infinity War, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite feel the same. But imagine how boss that fucking Black Panther movie would have been if halfway through T'Challa died. Oh, fuck. And it was literally like yeah. a civil war in Wakanda. Yeah. And I don't know who's got us, if Nikki is gonna step up or... Shuri's in, man. It's all Shuri. Shuri. I don't yeah. know if Shuri could do it, though. Nikki has got, you know, more real-world experience than Shuri okay. does. Shuri's like the Q. Yeah, with her panther so shooting gloves that she's she had so at the end. Um, so yeah, anyway, so when they when when uh, when Eric takes the throne, Killmonger, he he he's he's won the challenge and he's defeated T'Challa, um, and he then gets to take the herb and become the king. So he takes the herb and he goes to the afterlife and he sees his father and he's back in the apartment in Oakland and he's, you know, 
So he sees all of that, and he he asks his father, like, why? Mm -hmm. Why he didn't tell him more, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's very very emotional, very moving, and, like, Michael B. Jordan is just, like, he's phenomenal. And I remember when he was in Friday Night Lights, um, that kind of, like, stoic... You know, because there was he had in 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 Friday Night Lights his character there was like daddy issues as well, and I remember that kind of scene with him and his father in the show, and it was just like oh so oh it's like that in Creed too yeah he's 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 amazing he's such a good actor, um, and so you know so he goes back and then he comes out of that and he's he's now the king because he's taken the Arab he's seen the ancestors and he's like come out of this. And then he tells them to burn, tells the gardeners, the caretakers of the garden, ultimately, to burn the garden. And mm-hmm. this is when Nikia comes and takes, like, the one herb. Because the way that the way that it's phrased is, like, when the next king needs it. And he's like, no, there's not going to be another king. And I don't know if he doesn't, like, understand if, if he's just in that, you know, he's, he's now he's got the throne. So he's, like, in this moment where he's like, no, there will not be a next king. So does that mean he's going to try and destroy the country? And take its wealth and, and parse it out? Or does he just hasn't considered the fact that, like, maybe someday he'll have a son who could then become the king? No, what I think that was is that he is trying to subvert colonialism. His idea is to... He, he talks about providing all the oppressed people with weapons to overthrow the world and rule the world. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's not necessarily king of Wakanda. It's king of the world. It's king of the world. Yeah, and so he doesn't need this Wakandan tradition anymore. Because... Yes, yeah, because he's going to yeah. essentially destroy everything institutional ever. Yeah. Is what he's trying to yeah. do. And press a big old restart button. And so they burn it down. And the scene is just fucking stunning. I wish they would have held on to it. Just like two or three more seconds more. Oh, and then I could have absolutely had it burned into my retinas because, like, yeah. it's gorgeous. And, like, Michael B. Jordan is, has, cuts, like, a stunning figure behind this backdrop of flame. So it's all in silhouette, and you've got yeah. the camera behind him, and he's standing in the middle of this pathway. You've got the two panther statues, one on either side. They're not identical, but they're very similar. And then you've got this garden in flames. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, backlit by... So you know right then and there that no matter what... Like, you know he's going to die in this mm-hmm. movie by that scene because of course he is but the scene like it's just it is gorgeous Mm -hmm. and i i was trying to think of another another scene in like a superhero movie that's that beautiful and i think the only one i can think of is in watchmen where dr manhattan's getting dressed just gonna say where he's getting dressed to go and be on tv and in his he's in his bedroom and it's all blue and he's all blue and his clothes are like swirling around him and, but he's, like, right in the middle of the room, and it's, like, perfectly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the only one I can think of, because it's just, like, it's just so beautiful. And it looked, to me, like a frame you would see in a comic book. It absolutely did, yeah. And not in a bad way, just, no. like, that that's how they decided to draw and sort of show this. And, like, you know how when, like, Archie Comics and stuff, they'd be, like, the, the two panels, and then sometimes it would be, like, the big wide panel? That would have been, like, a wide panel the shot. The wide panel, for sure. And it was just, like, the, the figure that he cuts is really stunning. And then everything around it, and all you see is, like, this black and orange, and that's it. And it's just chaos. Yes. And which is exactly what he wants. And absolutely, like, unnecessary destruction. Oh, yeah. What I really like, too, when you're talking about, like, the figure that he cuts, they definitely made him create a body that was different than Chadwick's. Chadwick's strong, but he's very lean. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And Eric is huge yeah, he's big he's like an oppressive 
a, like this leaning forward, like a Tom Buchanan mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. from Gatsby, which I found super interesting too, and and covered with the scars of his experience. Yes, and he's created he's created his own body art ultimately mm-hmm. to fit in because this was obviously a plan that he had had for yeah years and years, and he was as like special ops in the U.S. Armed Forces, he had basically scarred himself every time he killed someone. Yeah. And he kept a record of it on his body, which I think is another, I think that was a really interesting thing. They didn't really get into it very much, but just the idea that that tattoos and, and scars and whatnot are used to tell stories and are not just marks of um... Fancy or... Yeah, mm-hmm. the, and, and I mean, they and I don't think they needed to go into that any more than they did, but just this idea that you can, you know, that that, that modification to your body doesn't have to be, it's not a vanity thing mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. It tells a story. And so his, his, his scars were created. He mm-hmm. did that on purpose. This wasn't like, and, but he did it on purpose to fit in to this Wakandan society. Yeah. Once he got there. But it's also, again, all this bastardization mm-hmm. of the culture because he he can't experience he was forced outside of it yeah. and, and disconnected from it so everything that he does is a willful and sometimes accidental subversion of that identity because mm-hmm. he has no connection and he just and what I and what I think was really interesting too is that he comes into this and like lots of times in these movies like your villains are very smart people they're not dumb and he was not stupid no. And I like that as well. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked, actually, is that everybody in this... Everyone in this film who had a speaking role, except for, like, possibly Claw, was smart mm-hmm. and articulate. Claw was just chaotic evil. Yeah, but he didn't need to... And he didn't need to come across as smart, so that's maybe why he didn't, you know? He was just... He had his end goal or whatever. But everyone, they're smart and they're articulate, and they have convictions, and mm-hmm. they're not afraid to... And they're not afraid to stand up for those convictions, like Okoye. Like she's the general, and she serves the king. King, regardless of and, and, and T'Challa is yeah. dead, and and she now has to serve Killmonger because that is her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the queen mother's upset, and and Nakia's upset, and Shuri's upset that she's not with them. But she's like, no, I have a job to do, mm-hmm. and she does her job very well. And in the end, it works out. Yeah, just fine. But but even think about Mbaku and the and the the mountain tribe too. About how he's able to challenge for the throne, mm-hmm. lose it, but then in the end still have respect it and want to preserve the rest of Wakanda regardless of his yeah and preserve the tradition and motivation yeah like he's he kind of steps in and and truly saves the day mm-hmm. in a huge way. Um, and I liked, too, with him that, like, it was kind of lighthearted a little bit, almost, like, that there was some moments of levity, because, like, all of mm-hmm. these movies, and I find this this is to be true all the time, all of these movies are very heavy with mm-hmm. this, like, idea of, I mean, you think about, like, you know, like, Avengers Ultron and, like, the, and Sokovia and, like, the destruction, of, like, it's just, it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just bad news all the time, right? Yeah. And so it's nice to have these, like, moments of levity. Yeah, and that's what I think is really interesting about what Marvel's done with comic book movies. Because they've somehow managed to eliminate camp Mm 
Mm -hmm. and replace camp with credibility. And that's something that the new DC movies can, for some reason, not seem to shake. And I just don't know how they done, they've done it. I don't know if it's necessarily mm-hmm. the solely the script. I don't know if it's the directors that they're choosing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the actors. Like, I don't know how they've done that. Well, I mean, I'm, I was thinking, too, like, in, in Cap 3, when... Um, when like Black Widow when she's like when Natasha's like joking with him about how that was his first kiss like just a little it's just a little joke mm-hmm. right um, but it's a, it's a nice like light moment within all of that this like big heavy shit that happens or like yeah. that scene where um, that scene where there's where like Bucky and Sam are fighting over like the seats in the car like just yeah. that and so you get these little moments where like and when Shuri's like what are your shoes yeah what are you wearing and then you see like he's basically wearing like Birkenstocks Flip-flops, and she's yeah. like what you're king yeah but like so you get those moments that don't take you out of the movie but they remind you that like the people in them are still people yeah and they're human and they have these like yeah these moments where like you're gonna make a joke yeah and people make jokes when it's uncomfortable and awkward and like they I, like, I feel like Marvel's done a really good job of humanizing all of these. Making them more natural. Yeah, and making them feel like... Like, I saw a, a thing the other day about Thor. Mm-hmm. And, like, Thor, the interior decorator, and how he comments on the interiors of places. Like yeah. Like, he did when, um, like, in the palace, and then also... We've redecorated. Yeah. The red then, and the white. Pick one color. You know, yeah. and just, but just, like, little tiny moments that kind of remind you that, like, they're not just solely focused on saving the world. Yeah all the time is that they have they do notice other things they don't have tunnel vision what i find f- funny was in black panther like they there are those like moments of levity and each time they happened i was like huh but i was like i didn't need those no like i truly didn't need those out if that movie didn't have those moments it would still be fucking incredible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't care if it's heavy i was like i want to see what happens mm-hmm. To T'Challa, like, what is he gonna do? I said this to you after on Thursday night, but I'm sad somehow that we don't get more Michael B. Jordan in this universe. Yeah, because I think as a foil, he's he's really he's a very good foil for T'Challa, and and he's and and, like he's a great actor. But the Mm -hmm. two of them, I think the scenes that they were in together were incredible. Like they were stunningly shot. Their fight scene in the waterfall was like poetic. Like, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And and we were talking about that after I texted you, and I was like, fucking Chala is such a, a morally righteous person that he has to take Eric up to see the mm-hmm. sunset. And, like, mm-hmm. he could have saved him. And that would have been mm-hmm. an incredible thing to see what would have happened next. And I was kind of hoping that he was going to. Me too. But and I was he a little does, disappointed that he didn't. But he does what his dad did. Yeah. He lets him die. Mm-hmm. He lets him die. But he lets him die because I think the difference is that Eric asked... To die. To die. Yeah. I think if he hadn't, I think he probably would have saved him. Mm-hmm. Because if he had let him die, then he would have been like his father. Yeah. And that's not what he wants to be. Now no. that he knows what his father was capable of doing, or not doing, I guess, in this respect, mm-hmm. I think he would have tried to save him had Eric not said, 
did Eric at when he's seeing the sunset did he say this line or was it earlier something along the lines of I don't want to fight or I don't want to die in some prison shackled or whatever I'd rather die or I'd rather be buried at sea mm-hmm. like my ancestors who refused to be caged Fuck. oh my god when he said that line I was like this movie fucking rules yeah god that was so good yep I know and it was subtlety like that oh yeah it was, and that part that was super subtle too like that was just like a little yes but I did wonder about that though and I was like okay so is he talking must be like what ancestors is he talking about cause it's not his ancestors it must be his mother's it has to be but I thought his mother was didn't I don't know Chaka say his mother was white I don't know but it, but that but that was my question because I was like, first of all, there's yeah. a couple of things here because I know that yes, sure, Wakanda is not a real place, but if it were real, it's like in East Africa, mm-hmm. and the bulk of the the slave trade that ended up in the United States was from West Africa. Yeah. So what's he talking about? Yeah, I think he's thinking Africans in general. Just like he's going ancestors. very wide. Yeah. yeah, he's going very wide. Um. But yeah, that was uh, that was a very powerful. That was a very powerful moment. I was that impressed me. Because mm-hmm. he talks about the the oppression and the equality is not necessarily just being about black people. No. He says Asia and South America, yeah. everywhere, we're going to empower people. Everywhere. Everywhere. And I wonder, like, this movie, there were so many things about it that were so good. But, like, no, I don't know. Of, of any other director that could have made that movie. No. In any respect. Mm-mm. Um, Coogler's like, amazing. Ryan Coogler is incredible. And, like, it's not surprising to me that it ended up, like, tonally, the way that it ended up. And because he's just... He's got a vision. Yes, And absolutely. he's not afraid... He's not afraid to share that vision, Mm-mm. which I think is the important part. And that's what I really liked is because in the past, I felt like many Avengers movies were too... There was too much template fulfillment that I saw. Okay. They didn't have a ton of personality. Mm -hmm. And then I thought Ant-Man came along. That had a ton of personality because it's a heist movie, right? It's very different. And then you had um, Civil War, which really showed Tony mm-hmm. as a villain, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. And then, of course, you had Thor, yeah. which Taika Waititi just fucking cranked it to 11. <laughs> and then you had this one, too, which was I think Taika Waititi started at 11. I don't think he cranked it. I think that's, that's just where he started. He just cranked it up. And he ended up somewhere in the 30s. Or 11 is just, like, his neutral setting yeah yeah and then he cranks <laughs> he it. wakes up at 11 yeah because like that was uh but i mean it's interesting too that the the two of the best movies in this whole cinematic universe were directed by poc not white people yeah absolutely and and and, and i don't mean interesting and like oh it's, i didn't know they could do that that's not what i mean no. but just like the fact that a compelling idea just the fact that the yeah. the two of the better better made better shot and it's not even so much that the stories are more compelling necessarily but honestly like the the, look the cinematography the direction two movies in both thor and in yeah um 
Black Panther. And in Black Panther are just, like, they're phenomenal. They're just absolutely phenomenal. And the performances are compelling. Like, for, thinking about for um, Chris Hemsworth, that's what, his sixth time being Thor? Seventh? He was in two Avengers and three Thor. Was he in any of the other? Had he been in any of the other ones? It was like a throwaway. He was in Doctor Strange a teensy bit at the end. So whatever. Yeah, so this fifth, like, full Thor like, movie being Thor. And in that movie, I was like, man, this is fresh. He's not stale. He acted the shit out yeah. of it. He's a good actor. He which is. Which I think you forget about. Yes. When he's Thor. And even for um, Ruffalo, too. I was like, I finally get the personality mm-hmm. of Banner mm-hmm. in this. Like, the performances that... There was a little bit in the go. first Avengers movie. There was a little bit of that personality. That competition between him and Tony. Yeah. But he was never yeah. the star of anything. No. like, But you got his at least his dry wit in, mm-hmm. in the first Avengers. And then in, in Thor 3 you get the actual personality. Yeah. Uh, and like and those little like comic nods where he ends up like with like the green powder all over him. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like just just gorgeous, brilliant stuff like that. But then, you know, so you get that and then and then you end up with like in Black Panther, you have all of these all of these actors and like I mean Lupita Nyong'o is an Oscar winner and she's she's, she's f- like she's phenomenal in everything um and like Denai Guerrera is incredible and I watch her in The Walking Dead and I think she's insane in that like she's so good I loved how she exuded at times the most wonderful sense of disgust for everyone mm-hmm just like utter who contempt. is not Wilcox. like contempt yeah. is perfect yeah. and, and it's funny because that facial expression that she's so good at she does that in the walking dead all the time oh she's so when good. she hears something that she doesn't like that is her expression was she was she in cap three was she the one who said mover you will be moved to natasha possibly maybe let's find out i'll look it up um and so i i liked with that cast how much he got out of them Mm -hmm. and how much of it was so so subtle Mm -hmm. absolutely um i don't know but like denai guerrera p.s she's like she's the writer of a tony award-winning play she is yeah no way yeah um, yeah, she's, uh, she's super great. I'm quite a big fan. When I saw that she was going to be in this, I was like, yeah, okay. No, she was not. That was not her. That's funny, because I immediately thought that it was. Um, but yeah, so. So I was like, damn, they took that very small role. Yeah. And turned it into something. And turned it into something amazing. Um, but like, just, I mean, and the, the whole, everything that they got out of them was, I just thought was just so, so good. Like, mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the thing that I liked the best is that because this is an origin movie, and it is, right? Because like, you learn about the mythology, even though we've already met the Black Panther as the Black Panther before. Mm-hmm. I think what I really liked about it is that you have these characters who are ultimately trying to build... Um, who are trying to build identities in this like grander cinematic universe and who do such a great job of it. But you don't have to know a whole bunch about them in order for them to do so like you understand that Okoye has a role and a job and a responsibility and Mm -hmm. whatever because of the way that she plays that and you understand that 
that Shuri's sort of like the she's not like she's not like the rascal of the family because she's got that intellect behind her yeah. but she was never going to be the king right. and so she doesn't have that same expectation placed on her and you understand that like that Nakia has has her own sort of worldview you don't really understand what it is or where she's been or what she's done just that she's not happy with what's at home and so yeah. you get those like story those details of the story as you go mm-hmm. and you don't need any more than that but the actors do such a great job of selling mm-hmm. all of that history that the characters would have had oh for sure and you you believe it immediately like you're exactly right about Nakia you don't necessarily know what she's been through she's essentially like a secret agent and you don't know the mission that she's on no. but you know it's important and yeah. you know that she's important and of course you see her expertise in when they go to Korea yes expertise at work yeah ultimately which is what i'm talking about what are they doing in the world i know are they just like hunting down vibranium and returning it to wakanda i think maybe maybe so like is that their soul like is that part of the secrecy that they're trying to enforce it might be part of it um like i just i don't know i'm fascinated i'm utterly fascinated i need to know more it's wonderful. I want to see it again, Megan. I do too. I kind of wanted to go see it again, like right away. And then, I, and I also, uh, can we talk about Everett Ross for a second here? Sure. I like Martin Freeman an awful lot, mm-hmm. and I think in this role he's very good. Um, but he didn't. He wasn't because I know in the comics he's supposed to, he's supposed to be more like comic comic reliefy than he was in this one. Um, and you were just saying something before we started recording about how you yeah. saw someone on, someone on Twitter was like upset that the white guy from the CIA was like sent to help the black people were like no he wasn't mm-hmm. he was there to like steal the vibranium basically and like keep it under the hands of the criminals Right. and then he got caught up in this they ended up in the same place he turned out to be the buyer that they were yeah. That they were going to try and get it from. And that's, he wasn't there to help he anybody. He still is the enemy of them. Yes. And then they end up helping him because they recognize that once he gets shot, because they recognize that, A, they can help him and they can mm-hmm. they can save him. Um, and then I think that ultimately them saving him, I don't, know, I don't want to say it forces him to help them, but he can't really say no because they've saved his life. And he's, you know, like, he's like, okay. And he also doesn't want to die. So he's like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm on it. Yeah, and they give they give the nod to his like his Air Force experience or whatever, and he gets to like remotely pilot a jet, a jet, which that was all awesome. Like that tech that they invented oh, for this was so oh, crazy. It was so cool. I thought that was really funny too. How they really made him inept. Yeah, like he was in all situations ineffective. Oh, there's the trailer again. Yeah. Oh, there's it's the just car. a commercial. Oh, it's a commercial. It's awesome. Uh, but what I found really interesting was how... Um, yes. It's... <laughs> well, this commercial is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. What's the company? Lexus. Lexus, of course it it's is. It's a Lexus commercial with, like, Black Panther shit happening. Great. What I found interesting is how, in the end... What does Ross want? Like, at the UN, he's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Why? Is he, like, now a liaison? He might be. For Wakanda? Like, what's his deal? Well, I would... My, my assumption was that his cover was probably blown. 
Um, and so now he has to be sort of out there. And rather than being sort of, you know, undercover and being the buyer and whatever, whatever, he can now go and and he knows what's going on in this in this mm-hmm. place. And, and he can sort of use the experiences that he's gained to act as a liaison. Mm-hmm. I think is probably why he's there. Hmm. That scene, do you know what that scene reminded me of, though, at the end? Was the scene at the end of Blood Diamond, um, when Solomon gets up to go talk. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Just that notion of, like, all of a sudden, here's here's someone who has a story to tell, and, and here's, here's... A captive audience. Here's a very captive audience, and... And a story that's not told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just, and even just the way it was framed and shot, and how people were looking at it, I, that, that's very much what it reminded me of. God. I get to watch that in like for social ten. Yeah, the week before spring break. Love that. I'm really movie. excited. Love that. Jaiman Hansu is amazing. Um, and so oh, he, I would love to see Jaiman in this movie. Okay. Oh my god. As anybody. As literally anybody. As literally anybody. Um, him as Zuri would have been great. You know what was really funny? I did not know Forrest Whitaker was in this movie. But, I didn't either. But then, but then when we found out that. Zori was like in mm-hmm. Oakland or whatever, and as soon as I figured it, I was like, and then I was like in 1992, and in my head I was like, if Forrest Whitaker doesn't play the grown-up version of this, really, because of because of his eye, like that was you saw that already, yeah, and I was like, if if this is not Forrest Whitaker, this is a missed opportunity. Also, did you know King Chaka's one eye didn't work? Did you notice that? I did notice that. Like it didn't. Yeah. Blink. It would close. Yeah, but yeah. I don't and know. I was like, Interesting. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh God, Megan, this is amazing. I cut it. We could we could talk forever about all the amazing shots in this movie. Yeah, it was. I would like to see it again now that I've seen the story and I know what's coming. Just to, like watch it and sort of yeah. think about it as a as a, a film text almost. Oh, for sure, and even as. Like, there's so much commentary happening, obviously, on uh, colonialism and post-colonial attitudes and pre-colonial attitudes, but also identity, gender, mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. environmentalism. Um, economy. Economy, Resource, yeah. acquisition and management. And distribution. International relations. Yeah. God, it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's fantastic. But, um... All the generals were women. Yeah. Well, and in the comics, that's the thing. Like, the, the his, like, special forces are women. That's... I fucking that. love that. And, and it was so funny. Like, as soon as I saw... Um, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, that's definitely, like, Maasai warriors. Like, that has to be yeah. what they are. Mm-hmm. And that's that was definitely the nod that they took. Um, but then they also gave them, I can't remember what um, what what culture has, like, the, the neck rings or whatever. Because mm-hmm. that's not a Maasai thing, obviously. No. That's, that's different. That's different. But they, they, they kind of pulled these things together. And like I said before, because Wakanda's not real, they can pull elements from different cultures but I also like that it subverted the expectation that all indigenous peoples were constantly warring and mm-hmm. in chaos, and they've come together and they have this beautiful sense of of unity, but also difference. Mm-hmm. Like they are five different cultures, 
yeah. living together peacefully. Yeah, well, and they're living together more, and, and more or less together. Like, the Jabari in the mountains aren't As, 100% yeah, participatory. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it all, really at the end of it all, the king is their king. Yeah. Um, whether they really want to be part of it or not. And, and so they have a common purpose. And they all benefit from the way that Wakanda conducts its business. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's, like, a second Black Panther movie, which I really hope there is. God, I want there to be. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that has changed, perhaps, once the rest of the world now knows that the, they have the vibranium and that they have all this stuff and they're willing to share their resources now. I wonder and how... And I'm curious what that means. How life will change in Wakanda for the people who are already there and who have benefited for years and years, like generations mm-hmm. on the, of this, on this structure. Yeah. Which I find really funny. The last scene though, because they go to Oakland. T'Challa has, has bought the buildings around where Eric grew up yeah. and lived and where his uncle was essentially assassinated mm-hmm. by his father. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't done the announcement to the UN yet, correct? The yeah. UN announcement comes after this. Yeah. And he just drops his spaceship into this fucking yeah. basketball court yeah. for kids to see. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Well, I think part of that like, is... You think that's a good move? I think so. I think so, because I think part of it is like they're not hiding anymore. They're not trying to be... Mm-hmm. They don't need to cloak it anymore. Because they have that type, that cloaking technology on their ships, and we're like, yes. you know, and I think that the, the whole point is that they don't have to, because he knows he's going to go to the UN, he's going to make this announcement, and then people are going to recognize that, and, and one of the things he's probably going to announce at this UN thing is like, here's the thing we're going to do, mm-hmm. and you know, here's a, an initiative that we, that we have, or whatever, and, and so we're going to, so we might as well just have it in place. But I think it, it's a good, I think it comes full, and it's a nice, like, callback to that opening scene where you have those kids playing basketball. And, and the fact that, that it, yeah. and the fact that that, like, milk crate is still there in behind the real net, I thought was, like, a really important piece. How there's a lack of progress. Well, but also just that there's that nod to, like, you know, this is where we've come from. Yeah. And, like, here we are now. Mm-hmm. It's not all that much better. But at least there's a real, you know, like, but the fact that it's there, because that's the first thing you see mm-hmm. in the in the whole film is like the ball going in through this milk crate. Yeah, that's the first thing you see. And then in the the first bit of that scene, the first thing you see is the milk crate, and then the camera just panning that a little bit back, and there's an actual net. Mm-hmm. And I think it just serves to remind you that, you know, yeah, just you know that you can, you can maybe mask a problem perhaps, but you can't get rid of it altogether mm-hmm. unless you actually act do on it. something. Yeah. Um, and so, like, going, we talked about this too yesterday, but, like, or Friday, I guess, at work while we were working. <laughs> Whatever. Um, we were talking about how that scene where he lets Eric see the sunset. Yeah. Is very powerful. Because he didn't have to do that. No. He could have just let him die. Or tried to save him, or whatever. But, he, you know, when Eric says that his father always said that Wakandan sunsets were the most, the most beautiful. beautiful on Earth. Yeah. Um... There's that that humanity, I think, in T'Challa that, that doesn't exist in some of the other characters in the MCU, where he was like, yeah, okay, fine, let's go. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll take no, I think that. Cap would have done that as well. Yeah, I'm not saying all of them, but there are some of them who would have been like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he allows him that opportunity. And then I think he, he gives Eric a chance to, like, redeem himself, mm-hmm. ultimately. But then at the end, when by choosing, by his, choosing own his own fate, and if he, I, f- I feel like if he had like chosen that he wanted to live, 
I, I feel like they would have escaped him. Mm-hmm. And if he had, and I kind of wish that that's they what did. would have. I know. Just for the fact that this sets up, that would have set up like a really interesting foil for all of the rest of it. Because God, that was good. The two of them, like they were like perfectly cast as mm-hmm. as foils. And it was awesome. legitimately, as soon as Eric showed up. I was like, oh, he's going to beat T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if he can win it back. Well, and Like, you... Eric was a dominating yeah. presence. Yeah. Well, and he... absolutely ruthless. Like, Well, and even his no entrance into Wakanda, where he's got Claw in the body bag. Mm-hmm. Right? And just like, you know, there you go, done. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even talked about, like, Daniel Kaluuya and that whole business mm-hmm. and how... Um, his character is like is Okoye's lover, but he's very willing to go against her mm-hmm. until she's standing right in front of his fucking rhinoceros, and then he's like, "Oh shit, sorry." <laughs> which I love. Come to my senses. Which I really loved. Yeah. That that his his woman is like standing in front of him, and she's like, she is she's the general, and she realizes that her king is still alive, mm-hmm. not the one that she's supposed to serve now, but the one who was in power just before, and so she's, like, ordering him to drop his weapon, and it looks for a second like he's gonna kill her, and then he just drops it, and all of his, everyone who's following him, just, like, mm-hmm. they're done. And, like, the that, that scene, too, the way it was shot, just from that, like, just from the side there, and he's kneeling in front of her, I was, oh, was so good. It was wonderful. It was just stunningly shot. So good. But yeah, I'm not crazy about the rhinos. Yeah, I was maybe a little bit. Oh, what's the word? It was just unnecessary. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that they... They use what they have. Yes. And everything's purposeful. But they have weapons. Yeah. Like, I... Yeah. Well, the rhinos had armor on, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, like, to be and fair... And rode them. Yeah. To be fair, like, a rhinoceros would be a not a terrible weapon. Yeah, just... It just seemed... Like, I, I, I see what they're going for that... Which they really nailed. That mix of traditional yeah. and... Yeah, because you've got the spears and whatever, but then you also have, like, jets. Shuri with her... Yeah, jets. And, like, Shuri with her, like... Advanced Her. medicine and yeah. cloaking abilities and car that you can remotely drive and it's like this metal. That's I'm trying to think of what that reminds me of. The, the black shape shifting. I don't know. It's like from another sci-fi movie. I'm just trying to fucking remember what it is. And they're hologram watches. Yeah, like, when it, when the, when the stuff when the black the stuff for the car like came out of the ground, though, it reminded mm-hmm. me, you know, those things with like the spikes and you like put your yeah, hand in exactly. Face, and that's what it was like, where it like holds a shape until yeah, but until there's you another, change the shape. There's another movie that did something similar to the hat. Just fuck. It's yeah. gonna take. I'm never gonna remember. No. Oh god, it's so good. Everyone go see Black Panther. You really should. It's it's delightful. We just talked about Black Panther for like an hour and ten minutes. Perfect. I was saying to Jess last night because she's gonna go see it today. Um... That I for different reasons, but I felt very much the same way I felt when I came out of Wonder Woman. In that, like, just like yes, yeah, exactly, and 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 Wonder Woman like differently, right? Because of what it did in sort of kill the all men, yeah, <laughs> and like the message that it was, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, um, the message that it was like portraying. But at the same time, like I think that that this had the very same, 
I had the very same kind of feeling about it and I was, my, in my head I was like goddamn fucking white people um, because it really is a story about the after effects of yeah. colonialism oh for sure and I think like the public face of Wakanda is very much a post-colonial narrative I mean the private face is very different because no one knows all that exists but that mm-hmm. public that country with with nothing perception and yeah. that perception it, it, I think that that's very much uh, and also the perception of inside the UN that doesn't someone say well what can you offer us you have nothing yeah and and then that idea then he doesn't say anything does he doesn't doesn't it just like and he just and then and he just smiles just done. but that idea yeah. that you know a population that is disenfranchised mm-hmm. can offer nothing because of that mm-hmm. is exactly what they're trying to subvert mm-hmm. like that's a very powerful question and for him to just be like with that smile and just be like you really don't fucking know anything just watch me like exactly you think you got it all no you have nothing yeah it was um it was good i would go see it again i would very and it's and it's if you're interested in like if you're interested in film in any capacity Mm -hmm. i think it's worth watching Mm -hmm. even if comic book movies aren't your thing because it's very very beautifully shot and i would really like to sit be able to sit down and watch it very critically now and like take a look at some of the cinematography and some of the choices because I feel like I had this thought on Thursday but I have to see it again before I can be sure but I sort of felt like the way that it opened and every like introductory scene it almost made I don't want to say like a rainbow but kind of because you have these beautiful story arcs and the widest arc was from the basketball court to the basketball court Mm. and then it just kind of interesting yeah that was sort of a a thought and each of those were like a dark blue yeah Nighttime, yeah, color setting. Because I, it was I would I would say, and I don't know for sure, but the film in its sort of the way it was created is very symmetrical. Yeah, and the way that those arcs absolutely all kind of hit their high point at the same time and then kind of start to come back down. But I think I feel like it was very symmetrical. Yeah, in its storytelling, which I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. I would watch it again. Yeah. 11 out of 10 would see again. 11 out of 10 would see again. Yeah. And, like, more... More stuff. And I suppose this is, like, this is the... This is maybe the thing, right? You have Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins, and she's doing Wonder Woman 2. Mm-hmm. And she's being given license and a bigger budget and whatever. You have this. You've got... I mean, and Coogler did Creed as well, which was, like... Oh, so good. So underrated. And it still was lauded. Like... Yeah. I don't know how it didn't resonate but what I'm hoping now is that you get you get more of this yes and I remember when Wonder Woman came out on Seth Meyers they did this thing they did this like point counterpoint and it's great because it's like it's Amber Ruffin and she's like she's pure comedy all the time and she like shot a cannon and oh it was great yeah and then it's when the other the other writer it's not Jenny it's the other one I can't remember her name um because Jenny's the one who does the jokes that Seth can't tell um, and I love that Seth Meyers, like, writing staff is, like, basically all women. Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things. But he did this segment, and one of the things that the other, not Amber, sorry, fuck, I can't remember her name now. She said that, you know, as great as it is that Wonder Woman was such a critical success, it'll be, it's not re- really progress until Patty Jenkins is allowed to make a bad movie and then given a big budget for another movie. Yes. And Allowed I, to fail. I kind of hope that with stuff like this, we're moving towards that. Because mm-hmm. I think that there's like a, a wide a wide variety of stories to tell. 
and I think that like there's voices that can tell those stories mm-hmm. I just think that like it's the same people telling the stories yeah right and like we were talking about you and I were talking a couple weeks ago about like white people directing all the Star Wars movies mm-hmm. um, and I was just sort of like it would be really interesting to see if my comment was like a Ryan Coogler Star Wars movie and you were like why would why would he do that and I was like I think it would be fascinating because I think the way that he makes his movies is very interesting and it's different he's got a he's got a style mm-hmm. like if you can tell a Coogler movie from like from other people much like you can tell a Christopher Nolan movie from other people mm-hmm. and I think just stylistically to see that vision and I feel like it would almost feel like you were looking at the story through like a canted camera just a little tiny bit mm-hmm. through the whole thing because that's kind of like the and it would have, the lens that he puts on it. Yeah, it has a lot of personality to it. I find that the Star Wars movies, which is why I was like, no, I don't want him to, is because I think they lack... I don't know what the right word for it is. It's like... It's like soul, but not soul. They kind of... Well, yeah, they sort of lack... They lack originality. Yes. Which is where I think we're finally getting to a point where Star Wars has some, like, Mm -hmm. new stuff. Mm -hmm. Finally. Now that we've... Killed killed, everyone. Now that we've killed Luke Skywalker, too. I think that now you can allow... You're allowed to, like, do different things. Yeah. Um, Yes, no, Soul's not the right word, but I know what you're saying. It's like... Like... they, they, They lack that, like... They like that thing mm-hmm. that ultimately... Because here's the thing about Star Wars. This is controversial. If you <gasps> Star Wars. Gourmet hot takes, get ready. Um, I'm a big fan of, like, all of that. I am. Because, like, whatever. They're good. They're fine. They're, they're good movies. They're entertaining. Whatever. But I kind of feel like anybody who can direct a movie Could can make a, a Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. movie. I 100% I don't think that they are... I don't think the first six are particularly well made at all. I don't think there's anything interesting about them. Like, I I truly don't think it got interesting until The Force Awakens. Ooh. Like, I... The, 100%. That's, that's a gourmet hot take. 100%. Ooh. Ooh. I would agree with you. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're particularly well made, the first six. Like, no. anytime I see any fucking wipes... Yeah. That aren't sarcastic. Yeah. That's amateur filmmaking to me. Yeah, and then they've gone away from that now, which is kind of nice. But you have to think, you have to consider too that, like, the first one came out in what, 1977? Yes, and it was groundbreaking with the special yes. effects. And yada, so, yada, and yada. so, but, but you also have to remember that, like, that was a technique that people used, used mm-hmm. a lot. And if you were to look at movies. And I, and I love old movies. Love old movies. Mm-hmm just watched Roman Holiday a few weeks ago and fell in love with Gregory Peck in a whole different way than I did in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. But I laughed the first time I watched A New Hope. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I don't get why people think that it's this epitome of of culture. I don't know either. 
like raise but your I, expectations. But I think I'm it, making so many enemies right now. Really I are. love it. But what it. I was thinking about, like someone like Ryan Coogler directing a Star Wars movie, is like the, the Star Wars universe already has the, like some of that diversity built into it because you've got this, these characters living in this different planets, different planets, different different cultures, different cultures whatever, yeah. and that already exists. And mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to like bring that in as like a focal point because it's already a thing that exists within. He just has to the, turn it just up. turn it up and sort of do. And I think, and I think the soundtrack of a Coogler Star Wars movie would be like different. Yeah. Can we talk about how John Boyega plays essentially a slave? And how he's black. Can we talk about that? Yeah. But can we talk about how he breaks away from it? Yes. Yeah. I don't think that was JJ's intention intent. necessarily. Probably not. I think that he, I I but I I sort of feel like they were casting the best person for the role mm. and it happened to be him. And now that he's done it, I don't I can't imagine anyone else doing it. Because I think he's got that that sort of that kind of almost guileless quality to him, where you know, like you want him to just be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's just so. But I think the other thing that's interesting to about the it too, point, sincere. But I think the other thing that's interesting about it too is I think, and this this to me is maybe where why it's why it was John Boyega, not not some white person who's playing that role, is that I think the expectation of the stormtroopers is, is that evil? is you no is uniformity. Hmm. And I feel feel like whatever you sort of see of the empire, you just assume that everybody's white. Because mm. why wouldn't you? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you have like the rogue, and he breaks away and escapes because mm-hmm. he can't do the thing, and, and he happens to hero. not be what you would expect him to be. I think that's maybe more what it was hmm. than. I just don't know if JJ's deep enough for that. Well, he might be. It is good. I mean, whatever. But, like, that's brought us John Boyega, so I'll take it. We're very happy about yeah. John Boyega. And I'm super excited to see him in the Pacific Rim sequel, mm-hmm. just because of reasons, because I think that's going to be great. I hope it's a success, and he was one of the executive producers on it. He worked yeah. really hard. Yeah. I I wish him the best. Yeah, I hope that's, uh, hope that's good. But seriously, if they don't fucking put Poe and Finn together as a romantic couple, I just... They're not going to. Even if they don't put them together as a romantic couple, I feel like if, like, Rose and Finn end up together somehow and Poe, like, lives in their house, which would, like, kind of be what it is, I'd be okay with that, too. Like, every time I was just like, kiss him, kiss him. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You know what's interesting, too, about this, like, Black Panther and most of the Marvel movies? I never really, in any capacity care one way or the other no it doesn't matter except i'm so fucking mad about hawkeye and black widow like that just and like the black widow and bruce thing i was like no that's not stop giving black widow the dudes yeah especially when in the first one they definitely set up like a history Mm -hmm. and then they were just like for hawkeye just kidding yeah that really that more than anything just bothered me Mm -hmm. um that that they made that choice because i feel like i feel like that was a mistake but yeah, for the most part, I don't particularly care. Like, in Captain America in the first one, obviously, like, you wanted, you kind of wanted him and Peggy to, like, end up together, but you knew it wasn't going to happen. Like, you, you, going into it, you knew that wasn't going to happen. Mm. So it wasn't a big deal. Because, like, when he, when he steps out of the pod or whatever, and she's, like, she touches him, like, we are all Peggy in that <laughs> moment. Like, and that's totally fine. So do you think Peggy is our surrogate audience? Like, that's... What do you mean? What she represents. Like, she represents the audience's oh, point of view. for sure. Hmm. And then, and then like, it's, and it's heartbreaking at the end of that, right? Like, you know, because they never got that dance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and all of that. And, and so you feel bad for him. But then he just, you know, 
he makes out okay. But for the most part in those, like, <laughs> he makes out okay. Oh, no, he does. Like, he, yeah. he doesn't die. I think Peggy does, too. Uh, but yeah, exactly. And you don't see her again, obviously, but, like, it's mm-hmm. fine in that film universe. But I think for the most part in those, like, I don't particularly, I've never really cared one way or the other about the, like, romantic entanglements of the characters. And I think that's well, an yeah, interesting... Well, yeah, even in Swords, just, like, pushed aside. It is. Yeah, she, like, she just... They're not together anymore. Yeah. It and... doesn't matter. No, and even with, like, in, in, in Cap 3, isn't it in Cap 3 that, like... Yeah. So what's her name? The Kiss? That Pepper's just, like, not there. Oh, yeah. Right? She's just... Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow just, like, isn't in that movie, so she's just not around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an Iron Man movie. No, but but also in Ultron, too. She's also not there. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's busy. Like, and it's just a throwaway line. Oh, she's not here. Okay, cool. Like, it's... But it doesn't matter that they're not there. Mm-hmm. And I felt very much the same in this one. It didn't matter, really, what that was all about. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a little tiny undercurrent of, like, a love story. But it didn't really matter. Whereas, like in the Star Wars, you're saying they don't put Finn and Poe together. And I agree with you that in Star Wars, I think in the grand scheme of what Star Wars is about, I think Star Wars is a love story more than anything else. Sure. That involves like the destruction of the galaxy in the middle of it. But I think the arcs of those those three separate trilogies and we don't know what the end arc of this third trilogy is going to be but I think they're love stories Mm -hmm. because they're about like the humanity within the people and it's not so much the Mm -hmm. the broad the broad strokes huh giving me a lot to think about today um, Mike sent us some questions. Did he? Jess also sent me a question last night. Her okay, because like nobody tweeted at us. Oh my phone. Um, Jess sent me a question. She's like, "Why is Twitter so much better than Facebook?" And she has a theory. Okay. And her theory, and I agree with her theory. Um, her theory is that it's because you choose who you follow as opposed to people who you know and who you sort of follow out of obligation or whatever. Sure. And then, I then think you Instagram is better than twitter probably yeah but i think i think instagram people filter a little bit more of their maybe that's why it's better but i think on twitter like you have the power to like if you unfollow someone on twitter it's probably not gonna hurt their feelings all that much yeah or mute them yeah because they'll never because they'll never know mm-hmm. whereas on facebook like yeah you can hide people though you can you can but like you know you can't just like unfollow i mean you can but like it there's there's complications of like unfriending family members for example on facebook that might not arise on a forum different on different platforms, platforms. and that to right. me is why twitter is better in general true i think we should go back to no social media would be better um yeah mike has six questions for us perfect did oh my he God. tweet them or did he send them just to you he said, no he just he it was just he tweeted them and one was like just hi garbage fire pod but anyway i will uh he didn't tweet oh. them at us directly Anyway, so here's the first question. What's the best movie to watch when you have a hangover? His choice is Wings of Desire. What's that movie? I don't know. I've never watched it. Um, I'm going to do a quick Google here. Wings of Desire. My favorite movie to watch when I feel shitty is, like, Fast Five. So I'll just watch that. I'll pick that. Or if I feel really shitty and I can't handle the loud explosions, it'll be, like, something like Crazy Stupid Love. Something that's a little bit quieter. That was on TV the other day. Oh, weren't you at my house yeah, when I recorded that? I still haven't watched it. Oh, man, I one. love that movie. It's when cool. Brian Gosling takes off that ring when he when David Lindhagen, like, walks into the backyard. And, like, he's even just though... He's like, well, this is what it's gonna even be. Even though him and Cal are fighting and whatever, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I'm still gonna stick up for my friend. Takes his ring off and just punches him in the face. It is just... 
Oh. I think he's whatever. Whatever. That's like um, a that's like a Renaissance painting. That scene, <laughs> like do you know, like with the <laughs> that's yes. what that. It's just beautiful. I love it. My favorite movie to watch. I'm not one who gets hungover, but my favorite movies to watch when I'm sick are the Lord of the Rings extended editions because I've got like the monologue by Kate Blanchett memorized. Okay, and then the music swells and you're in Hobbiton. And then you fall asleep for an hour and a half, <laughs> and you wake up and Gandalf's dead, and you watch some action scenes and the drums slip you off to sleep again, and then you wake up and you put two towers in. I it's wish just... you could all see the, the, the gesticulation that are taking It's very place. much of a, a conductor <laughs> in front of an orchestra. Okay, I have a question for you about movies, because yeah. I have an answer for this question for myself. What movie that you've seen more than once, obviously... Do you wish the ending was different, or do every time, or when you watch it, you just like you know, but you can't, you want it to be different somehow? Oh, for me, it's always the perfect storm. Really, every fucking time. You want them to live. I just want the fucking. I don't care if they live. I just want the boat to make it over the wave. Like even if they end up dying. Right. Because it's just and it's such. Oh, it's so well shot. I read something about that movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's based on a true story, so whatever. And it's also 20 years old, so deal with mm-hmm. it. But, like, George Clooney, just, like, that, and it's just... It's but not, how do they know? Well, they, they don't know that part, but they know, like, the they left. They yeah. had They lost radio contact after, like, a day and a half or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and they're just making assumptions. Mm-hmm. And they were never found. Um, but if you watch that movie, if you and you have to have a pretty good sound system um, to hear it, but if you watch that movie... At the end scene in the funeral, mm-hmm. there's this weird, like, kind of like not quite thumping that exi- that happens like under the sound when she's talking, um, and they couldn't figure out what it was and couldn't figure out what it was. But they also like couldn't edit it out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it ended up being? It was her heartbeat, caught on her oh microphone. Oh my god! As she's like standing, and I was just like, "That's fucking awesome." That's cutting. Um, but yeah, every time they like, and you, they almost make it. But then you wouldn't have that. Oh, I, I still, like I say, I still, they have to die because it's based yeah. on a true story. But, I but just, you just want the boat to, to go over. And then that, that, like, moment of relief and then and another then wave to or, black? Something, or something. Um. Yes. Because that is tragic. I don't need to see the struggle yeah. of all of those men in that boat. Mm. I'm going to go big here and say Titanic. Just kidding. <laughs> Because you haven't seen that one. Um, just kidding. To be fair, I wouldn't mind if, uh, you know, Jack had tried to climb up on the. There was room. Uh. Yeah, it's James Cameron. Who gives a fuck? Um, God, I don't know. Probably the end of Harry Potter 7. Just change the whole last chapter. Yeah. Or change how, like... Because fucking Voldemort dissolves. And, like, that... That was kind of anticlimactic. For someone who hadn't read the books, I even thought that was It took a lot away. Because so much of that that movie and that storyline is is him really just throwing the the laws of magic and the rules of mortality away mm-hmm. and trying to exist outside of them and mm-hmm. how his body is so irrevocably damaged and destroyed because of that. Yeah. And to just have his body not exist after the fact mm-hmm. really robbed the consequences of doing that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that happens in the book, though. That's not the movie. Or, no, sorry. That happens just in the movie. 
not the book. In the book, he he just finally falls lifeless Mm -hmm. with, at last, all life stripped out of him Mm -hmm. and not saved in some other, you Mm -hmm. know, bastardization of of magic and Mm -hmm. all that the goodness that magic represents in that universe. That really bugged me. Um, Other movies that I didn't like the ending to. Hmm. Or that I wish could be changed. I think that's the biggest one for me. I just watched this movie, Midnight Special. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Not until you texted me about it. It's it's on Netflix. It's I loved it. Okay, it was really absolutely check it out. It was really fucking weird. Okay. Michael Shannon, who apparently I have a big thing for that I didn't realize. Have you until watched Mud? No. With Matthew McConaughey. Is it on Netflix? It was. I don't know if it still is. Uh, Michael Shannon's in it, and he is phenomenal. Okay, maybe watch it tonight okay. if it's on. Um, but it's also got Joel Edgerton in it. Okay. And um, this dude from House of Cards. And it's got Adam Driver in it, Megan. I know. You texted me about it. I know. Because Chris was like, hey, it's Megan Sky. I remember. I, <laughs> I know, remember how this was. so funny. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That like, I'm like, oh my God, you're so thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> that he said that. Um, but it was very cool. And I wish in the end there's, it's very sci-fi. It's about this kid who has this some sort of supernatural power and this family is like on the run to save him and there's so much about it that's unanswered like they don't even attempt to answer the question okay but it's because the parents themselves don't know what's happening okay so you have as much knowledge as they do and as much knowledge as the kid does as his body is going through these terrifying experiences okay and at the end, you're left with this, like, sense of, like, peace, but you just wish you knew a little bit more. Okay. But it was wonderful. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to check it out. It's wonder. I'd rewatch that movie tonight. Like, you, because, I mean, you, you texted me, and I was like, I put it in my queue, like, immediately. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it eventually. It's, it was really um, cool. But and instead of that, I watched Baywatch yesterday. How dare you? It's bad. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But Malcolm I told me it was real bad. I fucking loved it. Oh, no. Do you know why? Other than The Rock. But, like, Zac Efron. Zac Efron. But the fact, so it comes out that, like, so Zac Efron is basically Ryan Lochte in this movie. He's, like, an no. Olympic. No, no. He's, like, an Olympic swimmer who's just a fucking idiot. And so he, they, his nickname is now, like, the Vomit Comet. Because in, like, one of the relays at the Olympics, he, like, threw up in the pool while he was swimming. Zach, you're not tall enough to be an Olympic swimmer. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It's fine. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> Can I... Oh, sorry. Continue. Um, And so, so he comes to Baywatch, ultimately, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he comes and he's, like, he's gonna be... He's, he's, like, on the team. The lifeguard team. And, like, no, you gotta go through the, the whatever. And so the rock who plays Mitch Buchanan who is like David Hasselhoff's character in like the Baywatch TV series which is like the whole thing is very bizarre well first of all there's no way his name would be Mitch he's not a Mitch no but it doesn't matter um none of those things Chaz sure (laughs) none of those things matter but the the best joke in the whole thing is that that Mitch calls um Zach Efron's character I think his name is Matt he calls him by all these different, like, boy band names mm. and, like, other sort of pop culture teen idol names until he can pro- he proves himself and then he calls him by his real name. But at one point... Wow, deep. At one point, he, call- like, he calls him, like, NSYNC. He calls him Backstreet Boy. But I was- in my head, I was like, if he doesn't fucking call him High School Musical, 
what is the goddamn point? And then he did, and I was like, that's it, this is a perfect movie. Like, I didn't need any more than that, because it was amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. Can I tell my you about- My standards are real low. Yeah, can I tell you about this movie, Wings of Desire? Yes, I would love to hear about it. So, it's a German film, which I'm already into- Um, so it is, the film is about invisible immortal angels who populate Berlin and listen to the thoughts of its human inhabitants, comforting those who are in distress. Even though the city is densely populated, many of the people are isolated or estranged from their loved ones. One of the angels, played by Bruno Ganz, falls in love with a beautiful lonely trapeze artist, played by Solveig Dommartin. The angel chooses to become mortal so he can experience human sensory pleasures ranging from enjoying food to touching a loved one and so that he can discover human love with the trapeze artist that sounds that sounds amazing so does that mean that city of angels was a remake of this wings of desire because that is a hundred percent the plot of city of angels oh my god because there's like is it it's what it's nicholas cage and whoever meg ryan no but whoever the other angel is oh i don't know i've never seen it oh it's so good but that is 100% Mike, the plot. Mike, is that what it is? I'm trying to look. Um, I just looked up Wings of Desire. It's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And like a 4 to 4 on... Uh... <gasps> it was. Yeah, it has to be. A it's... US remake was directed by Brad Silberling called City of Angels with Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage. It's real... If you've not never seen City of Angels, it's good. It was in that, that brief like four-year time period where Nicolas Cage did not did make garbage stuff. movies. Oh my um, god, Andre Brower's in it. Yes, yes. And so he's not, not in it for very much, but he's like the other angel that's... Um, oh, is this the movie that the Goo Goo Dolls song is Yeah. From? Okay, that's all I know about it. It's so good. Because Nicolas Cage, in that time period, he was like, he was doing good stuff. Is that like Leaving Las Vegas? Yes. And... So, okay, he did Leaving Las Vegas in 95. He did The Rock in 60 seconds. In 96. Face Off and Con Air, both in 97. City of Angels in 1998. Gone in 60 Seconds, I think it was, like, 2000. Oh, was and it? then he did, like, uh, Adaptation, right. which was A+. In 2002, um, I thought Lord of War was pretty good. I quite liked that. And then he's just... Yeah, imploded. He's just cratered. Um, yeah. Very interesting. If you've never... It's really good. I think it's worth watching. Okay. It's one of... And that's one of those, if I ever really want to be sad... That's the one you watch? It's, it's one to watch, for sure. Oh. Well, I don't want to watch it then. I don't want to be sad. Oh, but if you're already sad and you just need to cry, but you can't cry, it's a good one. Oh. It's a very, very good one. Okay. Um, and Meg Ryan's really good in it, too. Um, okay, also for Mike, because all of our questions are now for Mike, which branch of the library is your favorite? Which branch? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say... Jasper Place? <laughs> no. He doesn't work there anymore. Oh, no. no he's moved. Oh, I didn't know he's that. A, yeah, he, I think he's at Clairview now. Oh. Um, it's a good one. I like the newer ones, the ones that are, like, in the rec centers and stuff. I kind of like that whole mm. thing. But I'm qu- I'm quite actually looking forward to when downtown, downtown is done. Me too. Because I think there's, there's going to be some really cool stuff mm-hmm. going on down there. Yeah, I haven't been to all of... I've been to Woodcroft by my old house. Yeah. And... The I like the one north of white. It's got this charm mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't neat. I think that's the only branches I've been to. I like the new one um, in Millwoods. Because oh, the yeah. old Millwoods one used to be like in the library or in the mall. And then they've, they've moved it outside of the mall now. Mm-hmm. And it's in like a, a better building. I also really like the one actually off the White Mud mm. by Harry Inley. The 
the one at Way by Crossing, which was used to be a movie theater, and so it's in a large space. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, what is the most rock bottom the Oilers have ever been? As much Trading as I... Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, Mike. <laughs> Mike? Um, Mike? <laughs> no, unfortunately, that's not the most rock bottom they've ever been. I'm honestly going to say after they traded Ryan Smith and then they only won two games from the trade deadline to the end of the season. Yeah, that was real bad. Which could end up also being what happens this season. We'll see what happens. Amanda asked a question of uh, Bag Milk today. She was like, what's the Oilers' chances of actually making it back to 500 th- on this season? And, because he's, of course, eating his beats after every loss. Poor boy. Um, they're playing. They, they start right now. Ugh, who cares? Um, and I did the math real quick. I think they have to go, like, 17 and 10 or whatever. Or something stu- Or 17, or whatever they have to do. Like, it's just absolute madness. Like, guys, the... Or 17 and 8. They have 25 games left. I think they have to go 17 and 8 to finish 500. Which is, like, not even Tampa Bay is gonna do that. Um, and Tampa no, Bay is really fucking good. Tampa Bay just lost to New Jersey Devils. Just, like, not even, like, yeah. New Jersey's quite good. They're not going to do no. that. Like, that's no. unrealistic. No, the others are, are done. They're, They're done. done, guys. Um, okay, he's sent us an FMK, which I think is really funny. Okay. It's from Full House. Jesse, Joey, and Danny. I think this is a classic double murder. And then you just fuck, then you just fuck which un- is Uncle which? Jesse. Jess- John Stamos is Uncle Jesse. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Danny's the dad. Okay, you said Full House. I immediately thought Saved by the Bell. <laughs> well, I have an there's answer. a Jesse in that show. But she's really one confused. of the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, so I have sorry. an answer for Saved by the Bell, too. It won't be surprising. So it's the dad and the uncles. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you're killing Danny and Joey. Joey. And gonna fuck Uncle Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. That's the only way it's gonna be. Yeah. I think Danny's a good dad. Actually, yeah. If you were good, if you can't do the patented double murder, then, then you, you marry, marry Danny, Danny. For sure. But, oof. Yeah. What a boring person to be married to. Your house would be so clean. Oh, God, it would. And you wouldn't have to do any of that. You'd also have a shitload of kids. And That's a really fun. annoying neighbor. Mm-hmm. Why is the annoying neighbor trope such a thing? I don't know. My, you know what Because the my, families themselves are so fucking Do you know boring? one of my favorite subversions of that annoying neighbor trope was? Hmm. Home improvement. You know why? Because Tim was the annoying neighbor. Yeah. That's right. But Tim was also the main character. Mm-hmm. And then Wilson. Was. I think Home Improvement from Wilson's perspective would be the amazing. greatest television show in history. Because all you'd see would be like just over the fence line. Yeah. And he'd As be like, he's just like shaking inv- his head. And he'd just be inventing like dialogue for the. Oh god, it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, are you ready for these two? Sure. You have paid for. Three billboards outside Roger's place. What do they say? The trade was one for one. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna, I am gonna like write a haiku. It's like the trade was one for one, something with like the price you have to pay, and then whatever. I wrote a haiku just about that, but I can't remember what it is. Like number one pick, Dolan, or yeah, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. Yeah, could um, be. Did he have a suggestion? He did not. Oh, no, Mike. He did not. It, it's going to be brilliant, and it's going to be hilarious, whatever it is that you're... Yeah. Oh, I, I can't is. even. Okay, could it be is... just, like, you know, like, a 90s trope in, like, movies and television was, like, Xeroxed butts? Mm-hmm. 
Can I just have, like, three Xerox butts mm-hmm. in a row? That would be super. With, like, Peter Charlie's face superimposed on the butts. Sure. Okay, done. Sure. Or, like... If anyone's listening and can make that happen, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently billboards are expensive. Yeah. Um, we only have $140. Snow must go. <laughs> snow must go. Um, yeah, we don't have that much money. Um... I don't know. Actually, what I actually what I, rather than three billboards, I'd like one like a digital billboard, and I think what I would do before every Oilers game is have Taylor Hall's stats just like rolling up mm. and like highlights from you know, and it's like I will remember <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> you, or or like Whitney Houston, <laughs> just like yeah. So I don't know, just something like that. I think yeah. that would be oh Whitney Houston. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And it's just us. Yeah. And then it's just like us crying. Yeah. Just single tear, down yeah. cheeks. But yeah, I think, I feel like that would be really funny just to have like, you know, yeah, Taylor Hall stats. And then like another billboard of Jordan Everly's stats also. Mm. Um, and then Matt Barzal, because that's the one that's just pissing lots of people off right now. Yeah. I think those, I think those three, I think that would be pretty great. Could we hire a Skywriter? Yes. What would we want it to say? I don't know. Um. Low must go. Well, that's old news. That's too old. Trade them all? Uh, yes, trade them all. Speaking of which, we should trade them all. The price you have to pay? Yeah. That's the justification. When they get fired. Like, Connor's just... ELC. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. ELC. Yeah. R.I.P. ELC. <laughs> That'd be great. And, oh, well, I, but I think, because you, if you have three billboards, you could do it as a triptych. You could tell, like, a really good story with three billboards. Mm-hmm. Right? And if they were properly placed... Because I think, I think what you have to do is I think you have to have, like, a Taylor Hall one with his current stats and whatever. And, like, what's he, 17-game point streak? Yeah. No? No big yep. deal. Whatever. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Um, somebody, I pointed that out after he was, like, it was his 15-game point streak, and someone on Twitter was like, well, how many Oilers have scored in 15 consecutive games? And I did a quick count, and there was no point in time in which the Oilers didn't get shut out. So, like, there's no 15-game stretch in which they didn't get shut out at least once. And I was like, none of them. I was like, that was real easy math. Good stuff. Never. Um, but yeah, so I think if you had, like, I feel like if you had uh, something about Taylor Hall and, like, his current stats or whatever, some kind of something, I don't know. And then you have to have something about RIP ELC. ELC, yeah. Um, and then I think you have to have... What is goaltender interference? Yeah. The, I, I think the one that would really piss people off is from the playoffs last year. Yeah. With Kessler grabbing Cam Talbot's pad. Mm-hmm. I think that would be... Well, that's what you'd put outside their arena. Yeah. Not necessarily here. Okay, are you ready? I almost spat out my drink when I read this one. Okay, I'm mentally preparing myself. (laughs) What's more bitter? I'm pre-holding my face. Yes, it's true. What's more bitter? Starbucks? Second cup? Or the morning after a night at Jimmy Ben's place? (laughs) joke you could put in here about all too expensive and leaves you leaves you wanting more wanting more pretty much yeah so there you go oh <laughs> when i yeah when i read it last night i was just like ha ah, ah, ha that's amazing you're amazing mike, mike you're the best you're thanks the for best. the questions 
Um, I was, I was, what I was hoping is that you wouldn't say anything and I'd just be like, okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, on that note, thank you for listening. Yeah, that's it. That's all we got. That's Mike, all we got. Mike ended things on a real high note. You did. Um. We thank you for it. We, uh, you can find us on, uh, Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Leave us a review if you would like. That'd be nice. That would be wonderful. Um, we also have a website, which is garbagefirepodcast.com, mm-hmm. and thanks Tyler for the domain, that's awesome. As always. Um, we have Twitter. You can find Kelsey on the Twitter, <laughs> at garbagefirepods. Don't forget about our Instagram account, <laughs> at garbagefirepod. Pod or podcast? I'm pretty sure it's pod. I don't well, let's, I'm sure we do this every week, we let's have... double check what the username is. <laughs> we have an email address. It is podcast. Um, we have an email address, which is garbagefirepodcast at gmail.com we set up a paypal because at some point in time we'd like to get a better microphone perhaps um perhaps maybe and we also have some stickers and magnets and stuff and we want to send them out to people and we'll keep doing that um but like you know postage is expensive and magnets are expensive they're kind of going like hotcakes a little bit they we got like are. six or seven more requests this week for that's them that's wonderful so maybe they won't be a one-time run it Perhaps won't matter. Not. We could keep doing those ones. We can. Because Sticker Mule didn't care. No, they didn't. That. <laughs> it had someone's name on it. As the, the fan club. And, and and to be fair, Teespring didn't care either. It was just on t-shirts. It was just on the t-shirts. But the flag, they didn't give a shit. No. But Davis did design a different design for us. He so did. And we'll get that out. We'll get, we'll get that, out that out there. One of these days. We don't want to inundate you. But we but love. send us your money. <laughs> yes. But we love it when you share us the story photos of the stuff that you said yeah it's so awesome. we can retweet it yeah um and put it interesting places yeah yeah so like let us know mm-hmm. and we do have like three more stickers i think that oh no we have more we have a bunch we'll have to order some more at some point in we need to order some more but they're all in envelopes already oh yeah ready um, to go yeah so uh Send us some stuff. I wasn't sure when we were, like, talking about Black Panther. When we, cause we had kind of, like, hit, like, the halfway point in the movie after about 15 minutes. I was like, oh, this might not be very long when we were talking for two hours. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, let us know. If there's something that uh, you're interested in what we have to say about, which I can't imagine what you would be. Um, like Mark Spector's bullshit about Patrick Chan. Yeah. Really we'll, holding back on that. We'll talk about the Olympics next, next week. week because that's going to be like the end of... The Olympics, yeah. The Olympics. And hopefully by then... But then we'll probably be able to be angry about like figure skating judging. Because I feel like something <laughs> bad's co- coming in the next couple days here. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the Olympics next week. But uh, thank you so much for listening. We very much appreciate it. We do. And we will... Uh, See you next week. In the dumpster where you and I belong. Yeah. All of us. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't already there with us, you should join us. You should join. It's warm. It's too warm. It is. Because it's on fire. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Bye.